Good evening. It's good to have this number out with us, and it's good to be here at Center Star. I would like to say thank you very much for coming and letting me speak. And I was telling Danny, I have not been accused of being soft-spoken. He said, you may need this microphone, but I can get up there. It is good to have you all here, and it's good to meet everyone that I've met so far. My name is uh, Jeremy Mitchell, and I minister at the Booth Chapel Church of Christ, and that resides at Minor Hill, Tennessee. Some of y'all said there's been many stories to come out of Minor Hill. We have a wonderful little congregation there. And the little side note, little joke on our part was, I, I told the congregation there that I was coming to speak for y'all this evening, and they gave me looks. I said, y'all ain't going to try out. I'm just going to help them out. And their, their faces kind of relaxed, because I've been told if I decide to leave, they're going to tar and feather me. I said, well, I ain't going to leave me. I'm not going to leave. But uh, Danny, uh, Brother Danny tells me that, uh, that y'all are starting to meet on Sunday night after the, the COVID and all, all this stuff. And encouragement comes from God's Word. And we can receive encouragement anew in our everyday lessons as we dive into His Word. But tonight, we're going to start in Romans chapter 8. And if you have your Bibles, be opening up there with me to Romans chapter 8. Whenever uh, Paul, he writes to the church in Rome there, he's trying to encourage them. He's trying to tell them that just because you are immersed, just because you are a child of God, doesn't mean that you can go and live however you want to. He says that in the very first verse. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, he says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So we think about living in the Spirit or being in the Spirit. We move on to our, in, in our text and Paul tells them and us today who are spiritually minded, you're not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. But here we think about today. We think about the things that come between us and God. That be the decisions that we make, the, the life choices that you and I make in our everyday walk of life. Paul says there in verse 1, condemnation exists if you let things come between you and God. And that greater condemnation exists in that Hadan world and after that is hell. We learn about that also in Revelation chapter 10, verse 20. And following, of course, that we had a wonderful lesson this morning at Booth Chapel about where, we, where do we go when we die? What happens to the, the temporal part and then the eternal part? But today, we're still here. We're still able to worship our Heavenly Father. We're able to put our best foot forward to realize we don't want anything to do with this condemnation. We want to keep our minds set on salvation. We want to keep our minds set on faithful service to God. Paul says, if you are in Christ Jesus, and if you are abiding in the Spirit, and that lovely word abide, there is no condemnation. The reason why I say that lovely word to abide, whenever... Uh, Christ, whenever He speaks in John 15, starting in verse 9, He speaks of love, abiding in His love, keeping His commandments. Here we are tonight, assembled in like manner, worshiping our Heavenly Father, casting off the things that are going on in our lives to put our minds and center them on God and His promises for us as His children no condemnation. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. 
Verse 1 teaches that God is willing and wanting to save us. But verse 2 is there. It'd be nice if verse 1 stopped there, but it doesn't. Verse 2 of Isaiah 59 says that, but our sins and our iniquities have separated us from our God. Here we see Paul saying the same thing. Just because you've been immersed doesn't give you permission to go and live in the world as a fleshly person or as a worldly person. For the wages of those sins is death. In verse 2 of Romans chapter 8, For the law of the Spirit is life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. We take that word free. Jesus Christ teaches a wonderful lesson in John 8.32. In that lesson He teaches, You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Oh no, wait a minute now. Not, not to free and go sin and live however you want to. We need to be very careful with that word free. Christ is saying that it makes us free from our sin. Paul here, he says, that has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm no longer held accountable for the things I've repented for, that I've been immersed for. I've gotten forgiveness of those things. Now it is my will to not sin. Of course, we learn in, in Romans 7 that Paul's will was to not sin, and he hated it when he did it. Now how do we feel when we shortcome God? How do we feel when we disobey Him, distraught, distressed, alone? We don't want to have those feelings as a child of God. We want to stay connected. We want to stay joined with our Lord and Savior. We want to have that connection to God. John 14, 6, right? Christ, whenever He says those things, I am the way, truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through or by Me. And I wish the world would grab that, that verse and hang on to it. So many people try to get away from God and try to come to God by themselves. That's impossible. We've got to have Christ. We've got to have that access as a child of God, do we not? Yes, we do. But thankfully, we can be free from that law of sin and death. And in verse 3 of Romans 8, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh... God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. To condemn something. To cast it off. To put it off. To put it out. To have nothing to do with. We, realize, we do realize when our Lord and Savior came to this earth, He was perfect. And when He left this earth, He was perfect. But something happened on the cross. Something happened on the cross that he was utterly terrified of. Do you know what that was? It wasn't them nailing those, driving those nails through his skin, through his flesh, through his bone, into that wood. It was not. It was him being separated from his father for the first time ever when he took on our sins. And he done that for us. So that we may have an opportunity of salvation. So we don't want anything to do with that condemnation, that verse 1 we just read. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh because He was obedient to His Father. He showed us. He showed us as people how we could live here upon this earth and be obedient to God. He showed us that it can be done. But oh, the weakness of the flesh. 
The mind is willing, but the body is weak. So many times in our day and age, and you can look out there in the world and you can see the sin. You can see the disobedience. Satan's working. Satan's been referred to as that roaring lion. We can just see him roaring, walking around devouring folks. Folks, he's hunting in the church. He's looking at God's children trying to pull them away from God. We can't let that happen. We've got to stay focused. We've got to stay dedicated. Because in the absence of that dedication comes wandering. And in verse 4 of Romans chapter 8, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. When Christ gave His commission, His great commission, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, after I've got to really pay attention to that because my little bit of dyslexia kicks in and I get those numbers mixed up. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. When Jesus Christ says, All power and authority has been given unto me, in heaven and on earth, he tells you and I today to go. Go out there into the world. Create disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy, Ghost, Holy Spirit. And though I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Amen. But he also teaches something else in that little lesson. Teaching them all things that I've given to you to observe. I had a conversation with I can't use the word OLD in Booth Chapel anymore. That's our also. That's day when I get that little, that little example. I was given a, an example of going out and being the designated driver on a Sunday night to three seasoned ladies. That's the word I have to use now. Because one lady was looking into, in the, on, the, on this side of the, of the auditorium, and I said, I, was, I have to use it now because I have to use it. I said, I was a designated driver. We had a wonderful time for three old ladies. She went, her mouth flew open. She looked at me and went, I'm going out. She says, I'm here to tell you right now, I ain't no old lady. She's in her 70s. I'm in my 40s. To me, she's an old lady, right? So I can't use that word anymore. She's a seasoned lady. And I was having a conversation with a seasoned person one time. And I said, what about the things that we have learned? Who do we give those things to? We had an example out there in the auditorium just a few minutes ago. The young folks that we're bringing up in the church, right? And y'all are just like at Booth Chapel. We've had many of our folks to pass on. They're not leaving, they're just passing on. Where's the young folks? Where's all of our, where's all of our young adults? Where's the folks my age who are coming up in the church to take the reins to make sure there are faithful folks in the years to come? We've got to make sure we're out there working. We've got to make sure we're out there encouraging folks to come and hear the gospel. Christ tells us to go. Are we going? Are we teaching? So today, in verse 5, we need to set our minds on things of the Spirit, not on things of the flesh. Because verse 6 says it plainly. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
And I could talk the rest of the evening on verse 6. How many of us like death? Nobody likes death in our family. We don't like the absence of the loved one or our friends and our families as they, as they depart, as they go on to their reward. But how about life and peace? You ever, you ever went home at night and just laid your head on your pillow and drifted off to sleep? That's my example of peace. A peaceful rest. You wake up the next morning, you're re-energized. Christ offers that peace. If, and only if, we're obedient to His Heavenly Father and ours as well. To be carnally minded is death. That's the opposite of life and peace. That's the same death that's referred to in Revelation chapter 10 and verse 20 and following where the second death exists. Revelation 21, 9. The second death. Life and peace is so much better than death. Especially when it's in Christ. And in verse 7, an enmity. The word enmity is, is used, and I want us to be clear on the word enmity. Loosely, loosely just translated, enmity is an enemy. Just enemy, against. For to be carnally minded, because, excuse me, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. When Christ was speaking to his disciples, he called them friends. Do you remember why he called them friends and not servants? Because they knew what he was doing. He says, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. Because a servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but a friend does. Jesus Christ considers us friends. How about the opposite of a friend? Jesus also teaches, I wish the world could grasp the hold of it about being against Christ and not with Him. Because He does teach, if you're not with me, you're against me. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's turn there real quick. Keep your finger there in Romans, by the way. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. So we remember, we keep in mind that to be spiritually minded is life and peace, to carnally minded is death, and the carnal mind is enmity against God. Again, this was wrote to Christians. This was written to those who have put Christ on. Hebrews 10, verse 26. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. And the next part has teeth. Next part hits hard. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignations that would devour the adversaries. There's that word again. Enmity. Adversary. Against. That's if we sin willfully. That's us as a child of God knowing what we're supposed to do and not do it. And I, and I have been told I don't give my lessons at the right time. Because y'all are here tonight. I wish I could have told them all of them who decided not to come. Whether Providentially hindered set aside. I understand there's sickness and, and things that are happening in people's lives. 
But I do know that there are folks who just make the decision to not worship on a Sunday night or even to come on a Wednesday night. I know it happens here and I know it happens worldwide in the church. Where is our focus on? If we know that we're supposed to be there and not show up, we just read that we put ourselves in enmity against God and we become His adversary. We're supposed to be His advocate. As a child of God, we're supposed to be that instrument of righteousness. To abide in His love, to keep His commandments. To be carnally minded as death, to be spiritually minded as life and peace. I urge life and peace. Any day. I stress that life and peace. Because I've, I've dealt with death just as much as y'all have dealt with death in your families, your friends. Verse 8 of Romans chapter 8. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We, we don't, don't get stumbled on this verse. This in the flesh means in the world. Putting the world first. Becoming that carnally minded person. That's that in the flesh. This isn't this that we're wearing. Because a child of God can be pleasing to God while we're here upon this earth. Jesus Christ was pleasing to God while He was here upon this earth. He became flesh. John 1.1, 1, 1, does it not say the Word became? Not 1.1. 1, 1. John chapter 1 teaches that did Christ not become flesh? The Word became flesh. What that means is those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That carnally minded person cannot please God. And in verse 8, He answers it right back to back. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not here. Did you hear what was said? Did you hear what was said in verse 9? But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. I want us to ask ourselves a question right now. Those can hear my voice listening to this lesson. Evaluate yourself according to God's Word. Does God really abide in you? Only you can answer for yourself. I seriously hope He does. And I hope you're abiding in the Spirit on that great day. Because on that great day, Jesus Christ tells us something wonderful. He actually teaches it in a... Uh, I, just, I just drew a blank. Parable. Wow, I couldn't even think of that word. Parable, right? He teaches something in a parable. Remember the uh, faithful servant? Remember the unfaithful and faithful servant? That unfaithful servant, he didn't, he didn't turn out so well, did he? How about that faithful one? That faithful one, Christ, says, Christ tells in that parable, he says, I will make you a master over me because you've been a faithful over a few. You remember those words? Imagine those words on Judgment Day when you're standing before God, the books of life are open and the other books are open and you're judged according to all those things in the books. Make sure your name's in that book of life. And you hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. I heard somebody sing along, sing along with that's wonderful. Well done, good and faithful servant. As a child of God, that's what we're yearning for. But guess what? We need to be out there welcoming other folks to hear those wonderful words. Those wonderful words that I wish everybody could hear. But unfortunately, Matthew 7, verses 21, a 
excuse me, 19 through 21 tells us otherwise. Christ says, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. That carnally minded person trying to please God outside of his son can't be pleasing. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Let's make sure we're doing the will of God. As his children, we should be. To have that clear conscience at night time. When we go to bed and we, and we say our prayer and we thank God for that day and we drift off to sleep. Making sure the Spirit of God dwells in us. So we learn tonight. Hopefully we learned a few things. I don't know how much time I have. How much time do I have? As long as I won't, we ain't got nobody to fall off from the second floor. <laughs> so we learned tonight. Romans chapter 1. That's Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Condemnation exists. Even after you've been baptized. If you walk according to the flesh. So don't walk according to the flesh after you've been immersed. After you've been immersed or baptized for the remission of sins... Put on your spiritual walk. Because you have put Christ on. Galatians 3.27 tells us so. Romans chapter 6 tells us baptism is not a permission to sin. We died to it. We have become something different. We have become children of light. And I don't think I can do a sermon without saying 1 John 1 and 7. I don't think I can. Because God is light. 1 John 1 and 7 but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, keep in mind that He is God. If we walk in the light as He is in the light and have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin or all unrighteousness, you may be a child of God tonight. You may have taken that short walk with Satan. You may have cast, took on evil works of darkness. You might say, evil works of darkness? That's, that's horrible. That's, that's bad. We just read... In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and 27, but also verse 25 says something significant as well. What does verse 25 teach? 25 teaches that we can't forsake the assembling of ourselves. That, that verse hits home these days. Whenever we think of forsaking something, we want nothing to do with it, right? How many of us forsake Satan? Forsake Satan. We want nothing to do with him. Jesus gave us that example, did he not? He says, away from me, Satan. Or get behind me, Satan, when he was tempted of Satan. He come out triumphant. You and I need to be triumphant on that great day. To stand before God hearing those wonderful words. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of your Lord. So this evening... I hope you've got some encouragement from the Word. It's not my Word. It's God's Word. All I'm being is a mouthpiece. It's all I am. So we think about condemnation. We think about salvation. Where would we fall if Christ was to walk through those doors right now? And He came to judge you of your deeds right now. Would you find yourself lacking? Well, thankfully, He hasn't done that yet. Thankfully, he's still waiting. He's still waiting to give those keys over to the kings of the Father on that great day when he is glorified the very last time. 
you have an opportunity to change. If you have sinned, if you have fallen short, if you've taken that short walk with Satan, just that one short walk is enough to condemn us. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let's walk according to the Spirit. Let's walk in the light. Let's be godly people. Let's cast off those works of darkness, becoming those instruments of righteousness. Have you ever pictured heaven? You ever ever put a picture of heaven into your mind? How wonderful it is, right? How, How wonderful. We also get a little bit of a picture painted in Revelation chapter 20. Let's, let's turn there real quick. Uh, I'm just studying in that area. As you all probably can tell, chapter 21. I was thinking it's still in 20. It's in 21, Revelation chapter 21. Now keep in mind, this is John writing, and he says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Before we read verse 2, notice something significant in verse 3. God will be there with us. God will be there with us. Previous to sin here upon this earth, because when sin arrived, God said, well, all right then. He's been in presence. He's been in voice. Here he will be with us if we stay in his Son. If we remain faithful, and of course that is until we pass away or breathe our last, He will be with them and be their God in verse 4. Verse 4 is such a warming encouragement for you and I because we deal with with stuff. We deal with bad things. We, We deal with sin. We deal with death. We deal with sicknesses and illnesses. We deal with those things. And verse 4 of Revelation chapter 21. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. I don't know if that's enough encouragement for us to be faithful for the rest of our lives. Jesus Christ also promises John something in Revelation 2, verse 10. You know what that is? It's written to a church that's fixed to endure serious persecution or someone's going to be thrown into prison. Someone's going to be cast out. He says, be ye faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Not a crown of life, the crown of life. That's salvation. So my encouragement for those who are hearing my voice right now, stay faithful. Run your course. Run your Christian race. And keep that thought of salvation in your hearts, in your minds, and be faithful to God. And as I, as I asked a few minutes ago, you may have sinned, you may have fallen short. We always, as we assemble as of one accord, one number, we always offer an opportunity of repentance, 
Encouragement, prayers, baptism. Do you need to become a child of God this evening? If you haven't done so, why wait? Why tarry? There's no reason you should walk out of these doors or take another breath of your life not being a child of God. Because He can wash those sins away that you're involved in. Repenting of those sins, confessing those sins, believing that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, and putting His Son on through baptism. Many of us in here tonight have done so. But we may have taken that short walk with Satan. We may have stumbled. We may have fallen by the wayside. This is Christ outstretching His hand ready to lift you up. Just as He did Peter. When He began to sink, what did Peter say? Lord, save me! Do you need to say that tonight? Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing a song of invitation?